ಪಾರ್ಥಯ ಪ್ರತಿಬೋಧಿತಾಯಣೇನ ಸ್ವಯಂ ವ್ಯಾಸೇನ ಗ್ರಸಿತುರಾಣಮುನಿ ಮಧ್ಯೆ ಮಹಾಭಾರತ ಅದ್ವೈತಮೃತವರ್ಷಿಣಿ ಭಗವತೀಂ ಅಷ್ಟಾಧ್ಯಾಯಿಬತ್ವಾಮನುಸಂದಿ ಭಗವದ್ಗೀತೆಷಿಣಿ ನಮೋಸ್ತು ವ್ಯಾಸ ವಿಶಾಲಬುದ್ಧೆ ಫುಲ್ಲಾರವಿಂದಯತಪತ್ರ ನೇತ್ರ ಭಾರತತೈಲಪೂರ್ಣ ಪ್ರಜ್ವಾಜ್ಞಾನಮಯ ಪ್ರದೀಪ ಪ್ರಪನ್ನ ಪಾರಿಜಾತೋತ್ರೈಕಪಾಣಮುದ್ರಾ ಕೃಷ್ಣಾ ಗೀತಾಮೃತದುಹೆ ನಮಃ ಸರ್ವೋಪನಿಷದೋ ಗಾವ ದೋಧಾಗೋಪಾಲನಂದನ ಪಾರ್ಥೋವತ್ಸುಧೀರ್ಭೋಕ್ತ ದುಗ್ಧಂಗೀತಾಮೃತ ಮಹದ ವಸುದೇವಸುತಂದೇವ ಕಂಸಚಾಣೂರಮರ್ದನ ದೇವಕೀ ಪರಮಂದ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ವಂದೇ ಜಗದ್ಗುರು ಭೀಷ್ಮ್ರೋಣತಟಾಜಯದ್ರಸಜಲ ಗಾಂಧಾರನೀಲೋತ್ಪಲ ಶಲ್ಯಗ್ರಾಹವತೀ ಕೃಪೇಣ ವಹನಿ ಕರ್ಣೇನ ವೇಲಾಕುಲ ಅಶ್ವತ್ಥಾಮ ವಿಕರ್ಣ ಘೋರಮಕರ ದುರ್ಯೋಧನಾವರ್ತಿ ಸೋತ್ತೀರ್ಣ ಖಲು ಪಾಂಡವೈರಣನದಿ ಕೈವರ್ತಕ ಕೇಶವ ಪಾರಾಶರ್ಯವಚಸರೋಜಮಲ ಗೀತಾರ್ಥಗಂಧೋತ್ಕಟ ನಾಣಾಖ್ಯಾನಕೇಸರ ಹರಿಕಥಾ ಸಂಬೋಧನ ಬೋಧಿ ಲೋಕೆ ಸಜ್ಜನ ಷಟ್ಪದೈರಹರ ಪೇಪೀಯಮಾನ ಮುದಾ ಭೂಯಾದ್ಭಾರತ ಪಂಕಜಂಕಲಿಮಲ ಪ್ರಧ್ವಂಸಿ ನ್ರೇಯಸೆ ಮೂಕಂಕರೋತಿ ವಾಚಾಲಂಗುಂಘಯತೆ ಗಿರಿಂ ಯತ್ಕೃಪಾತಮಹಂ ವಂದೇ ಪರಮಂದಮಾಧವ ಯಂ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮವರುಣೇಂದ್ರರುದ್ರಮರುತ ಸ್ತುನ್ವಂತಿ ದಿವ್ಯೈಸ್ತವೈ ವೇದೈಸ್ಸಾಂಗಪದಕ್ರಮೋಪನಿಷದೈ ಗಾಯಂತಿ ಯಂ ಸಾಮಗಾಧ್ಯಾನಾವಸ್ಥಿತಗತೇನ ಮನಸ ಪಶ್ಯಂತಿ ಯೋಗಿನ ಯನ್ನ ವಿದುಸುರಸುರಗಣ ದೇವಯತಸ್ಮೈ ನಮಃ ನೈನ ಛಿಂದಂತಿ ಶಸ್ತ್ರ ನೈನ ದಹತಿ ಪಾವಕ 
नचैनम क्लेदयंत्यापह नशोषयति मारुदह अच्छेद्यो हिमदाह्योयम अक्लेद्यो शोषेवच नित्यसर्वगतस्थानहु अचलोयम सनातनः this self is achedliha, that which cannot be cut asunder, meaning cannot be affected by weapons, adahyaha, not subject to being burned by fire, akledliha, cannot be wetted or destroyed by water, asoshyaha, cannot be dried by air. Meaning all the conventional sources of destruction that we know, they cannot destroy the self, meaning self is indestructible. And therefore, nityaha. Therefore it is nityaha avinashi, not subject to death or destruction. And therefore sarvagadaha, he is all-pervasive. That which cannot be destroyed must necessarily be limitless also. Because anything that is limited in place is going to be limited in time. Or that which is limited in time is going to be limited in place. So nityaha means avinashi, not subject to death. And when it is not subject to death, that also means it is not subject to birth, meaning free from any modifications which are brought about by time. Nitya means it is free from the limitation of time. And therefore, also free from limitation of space. Sarvagataha, all pervasive. Sthanahu, achalaha, immobile. Sanatanaha, ever the same. The self is ever the same meaning does not go, undergo any change or modification in course of time or by any happening taking place anywhere because they are two different degrees of realities. Time, place and everything that is within time, place, framework enjoys a degree of reality which is what we call unreal or asat and self enjoys a degree of reality which is what we call sat or absolute and therefore any changes that take place in asat which is mithya, or that which is projected, does not in any way affect the substratum. Like whatever changes may take place in my reflection, and the reflection may appear to be distorted or whatever on account of the mirror being distorted, so the distortions of the reflection do not bring about any distortion in I, the image, because distortion is a degree of reality, which is what we call asat, mithya or unreal, whereas the image has a degree of reality which is real, with reference to that, and therefore, in, therefore, with the changes that occur at the level of matter, at the level of body, at the level of happenings, they do not in any way affect the self because self is a substratum upon which all of this is projected. <coughs> Thus, essentially the same topic is brought up by Lord in different words. What was said in earlier verses alone is said in, in different words or sometimes even the same words are also used and the same idea is conveyed because this is an extremely difficult thing to know. Self is extremely subtle, durbodha since it is durbodha, extremely difficult to know and extremely difficult to grasp. Atmastunaha punaf punaf prasangam apadhyaya, again and again raising the occasion, Lord unfolds or Lord describes the same self, same atmatattva, either in different words or in different, in, in the same words, in different context. <coughs> so that somehow the students can understand, that's why the same truth, that Atma is self-changeless. That same truth about the self is described in different ways.
And therefore, yet the verse 25 gives yet another reason also why the self is changeless. Avyaktoyam, achintyoyam, avikaryoyam, uchyade, tasmad evam viditvainam, nanu shochitu marhase. So, avyaktoyam, ayamatma, avyaktaha, the self is unmanifest. What is meant by manifest? Manifest is that which can be objectified by the senses. So that which can be objectified by the organs of perception is called vyakta or manifest. Atma, the self is avyaktaha, unmanifest because cannot be perceived, cannot be objectified by the sense perception. Simply because self is that which is behind the sense perceptions. So he is even the very content of the truth of the perceiver. So perceiver cannot be perceived by the sense perceptions. Like my eyes cannot be seen by a telescope. Telescope is something that is directed outward and cannot see what is behind it. A telescope cannot see the eyes and so also eyes cannot see the self who is the witness of the eyes, witness of the sense of perception. And therefore self being the very subject cannot be objectified by the organs of perception. Asabdam, asparsham, arupam, avyayam, tatharasam, nityamagandhavachyat, as Kathopanishad says. Asparsham, asabdam, that which is asabdam, doesn't have sound, meaning that which cannot be heard. Asparsham, which cannot be touched. Arupam, cannot be seen. Ag, you know, and so arasam, which cannot be tasted. Meaning, the self is that which cannot become the object of perception by the sense perceptions. Therefore, it's called avyaktaha. Avyaktaha means unmanifest in that sense. Not unmanifest in the sense of uh, unknown. Unmanifest in the sense of that which cannot be become the object of perception. There is something that is unmanifest which is unknown. Not yet manifest. Self is very much manifest in as much as it is self-effulgent. Atma, the self is ever shining, self-effulgent. However, it cannot be perceived or objectified by the organs of perception. So, avyakta here means self cannot be objectified by the organs of perception. You can't hope to see the self or hear it or touch it or taste it or smell it. <coughs> and that being the case, achintyaha cannot even become the object of thought, cannot be visualized by the mind or cannot be inferred by the mind. It, it cannot be perceived, cannot become the object of perception, nor can it become an object of inference. You can infer something based on some perception. The standard example is that you see the smoke there on the hillock and you infer there must be fire because wherever the smoke is, fire must be. So even though the fire is not perceived, you can infer the presence of fire. That's how smoke becomes an evidence for us to gain the knowledge of fire. But similarly, Atma is not connected with anything by way of cause and effect or in any other way which can lead us to the inference of the Self. That's the reason why you can always reject the existence of God. You can reject the existence of the Self for the simple reason that there is no perception, there is no evidence in the conventional sense. Usually people accept those things which are evident, which can be shown or demonstrated or proven. In that sense, self 
or God cannot become object of heaven. You can't demonstrate. So, achintya also you cannot visualize it by mind. What cannot be perceived cannot be visualized also. Because whatever you can visualize the mind is always going to have relevance to what you have perceived. So what the mind can visualize, because all the knowledge of the mind ultimately comes from perception. At least all the knowledge of the objects, cannot be objectified by the sense organs, cannot be objectified by the mind. And therefore, avikarya muchare. And therefore is avikarya is again free from modifications or changes. Meaning, it cannot undergo any change with reference to time or whatever. This is the nature of the self. This being the case, tasmad, this being the case, evam viditva, knowing the self as such, not the way you know it right now. So Lord Krishna is saying to Arjuna, you know the self today, yourself is Arjuna. As a human being, as a relative, as so and so, you know today yourself as an individual being. And definitely, therefore, your grief is justified. So whole, this question that the Lord Krishna is first addressing is this question of grief. That Arjuna is grieving. And a grieving disciple has submitted himself to the teacher. And so the first thing that the teacher has to do is to remove the grief. But then, not a symptomatic removal, but then a fundamental method of removal of the grief is being pointed out here that even if the grief is removed by changing certain situations it will only come back again in a different situation and therefore you must remove the fundamental cause and what is the cause of grief? Ignorance Ignorance of the self when the self is not known to be what it is and is known wrongly (coughs) So when the self is known as an individual being known as a body known as a as such and such Definitely there is going to be grief because there is going to be gain and loss, success and failure, agreeable, disagreeable, honor, dishonor, all these pairs of opposites will be there for an individual. But then individuality is something that is superimposed upon the self. Individuality is not the nature of the self. It is by superimposing this mind, intellect, body superimposing the attributes of this body, mind, intellect upon the self that the sense of individuality is arisen and that is the cause of grief. <coughs> Tasmad therefore evam viditva enam enam atmanam evam viditva yathoktena prakarana viditva knowing the self as just stated that it is nityah, sarvagataha, sthanuhu, achalaha, sanadaha avyaktaha achintyaha in this manner knowing the self na anushochitu marhasi Lord Krishna started this asochyan anvachochastvam look Arjuna you are grieving but then there is no cause for the grief in spite of there being no cause for grief or no legitimate cause for grief you are grieving so that whole instruction is now concluded in these verses here First of all, Lord simply made a statement. There is no reason for you to grieve. But that is not enough. In all these verses, reasons are given by the Lord. As to why there is no cause for anyone to grieve, the cause for the grief is ignorance of the knowledge, ignorance of the self. 
and that which can eliminate the grief is the knowledge of the true nature of the self evam abhyaktah achintyah nityah sarvagatah that which is nityah that which is eternal or indestructible well there is no question of its death and therefore if grief is born for death there is no cause of death as far as self is concerned if grief is born because of pain well pain also cannot touch it because it is it is uh, free from any modification it is changeless who can suffer pain and pleasure the experiencer suffers the pleasure and pain an experiencer is the one who is subject to constant modification as the experience changes the experiencer also changes sympathetically and so experiencer or bhokta is the one who is necessarily subject to change when it said that the self is not subject to change meaning that self cannot be an experiencer in which case all such experiences as pleasure and pain or honor and dishonor they do not in any way influence the self at all and therefore also there is no cause for grief are you grieving because something happens to the body well all the weapons and so the cause of destructions they can all affect the body they cannot affect the self and therefore whatever be the causes of grief or sadness or sorrow none of these causes are applicable when the self is known as changeless is known as eternal is known as free from limitations of time and place is known as immovable all pervasive and when here you know when you know the self as such anushochit marhasi knowing the self as such it is not proper for you to grieve right now it is proper for you to grieve because you do not know but when you know the self as such it would not be proper for you to grieve meaning there be no reason for you to grieve <coughs> and thus in these 15 verses basically what lord is presented is what we call atma anatma viveka or discrimination between the self and the non self in order to recognize the non self as non self and self as self now in the subsequent verses atmanah anityatvam abhivagamya idam uchyate suppose there is a difficulty at this time on the part of arjuna to accept this teaching that i or the self is eternal is changeless is all pervasive is devoid of the sense of doership and joyship suppose there is a difficulty in you to accept this teaching all right suppose you say that the self is subject to birth and death suppose self is not nitya all these verses say that the atma is nitya changeless or indestructible suppose you accept the atma or the self as destructible atmanah anityatvam abhivagamya all right just for the sake of argument we accept your standpoint the self is subject to death and birth even then or then accepting the standpoint just for the sake of argument what is it is verse 26 is अथ चैनम नित्यजातम नित्यम वन्यसे मृतम तथा महाबाहो नैवम शोचिमहसे अथ च इन खेस एक्सेप्टिंग फॉर द सेक ऑफ आर्ग्युमेंट एनम नित्यजातम नित्यम वन्यसे मृतम एनम आत्मा मन्यसे इफ यू बिलीव दर इज आत्मा द सेल्फ इज नित्यजातम कॉन्स्टेंटली बींग बॉर्न और बॉर्न इज अ रूल 
and that is what people commonly believe. In fact, when a body is born, commonly we say that the self is born. And similarly also when the body dies, we say that the self is dead. So usually what common people do is that the birth of this body is invariably assumed to be the birth of the self and death of the body is taken to be the death of the self. Suppose you accept that, the common standpoint. Tathavitvam mahabaho naivam shojitumarhasi Even then, there is no reason why you should grieve. Because it's a fact. Janmavataha janma, nashavataha nashaha. So that which is subject to birth will be born. What can you do about it? And that which is subject to death will die. So if death is the cause for your grief, death is a fact of life. An effect of life should not become the cause of grief. As we say, the sun will rise in the morning and he will set in the evening. And so, that which is subject to rise will rise. And that whose nature is to set will set. And it is better that we understand that fact, accept it and adjust our life accordingly. If you expect that the sun should shine and shine for all the 24 hours, well, it is not going to happen. So if you plan your life in such a manner as to expect the sun to be shining for all the 24 hours, well, your plans are not going to be successful. Or you wish that the sun should not rise at all for whatever reasons, personal, you know. Some people believe, hope, I hope the sun does not rise. That's what King Dasharatha said, you know, when his wife Kekei extracted from him the promise that next morning Rama should go to the forest. Then Dasharatha prayed to the deity of night. O deity of night, be pleased that you remain forever, that the dawn does not come, you know. So there are sometimes reasons we may wish that dawn does not come, the sun does not rise, but then it is not going to work because if the sun, it is nature of sun to rise, it will rise. It is nature of sun to set, it will set. And this, it's the fact of life. All Lord is saying is, even if you accept that the Atma is being born and Atma is dying, even then also it is a fact and therefore accepting that fact of life, there is no cause for you to grieve. Like the child who is playing with a clay doll. And when the toy falls down and the toy which is clay toy breaks to pieces, the fellow cries because does not accept the fact. His father is a mature person and knows that the clay toy is going to break and so gives the same kind of upadesha to his son. My son, there is no reason why you should cry. After all, it's a clay doll. What else do we expect? It will break down. So it is the nature of clay to break down and therefore it will break down. What is designed to break down, what is meant to break, will break. And therefore, be prepared for it. That's how it is said, as Swami, you would like to say that when you perform an action, be prepared for a failure. Don't plan for a failure. Don't be diffident. And you know, but you must know that failure is as much a fact of life as success is. Except that we never want failure. So it is like this, what, which, which law is that? It is, uh, I repeat, what is, whose law is it? That if something wrong is going to happen, it will happen. Murphy's law. So Murphy's law is that if something is going to fail, it will fail. Or when you perform an action, 
there's always a probability that failure may occur because there cannot be a hundred percent probability or certainty of success and so whenever we perform any action it is a calculated risk and we have to take that risk in our life because nothing in the life can be said with certainty and therefore that failure also is a fact of life pain also is a fact of life loss also is a fact of life and it will definitely influence it will have its own effect but as far as grief is concerned grief comes when we do not accept the fact of life when we do not recognize the fact and after recognizing also very often we do not accept them then alone the grief comes therefore Lord Krishna says Tathabi even if you believe that the self or the Atma is subject to being born and subject to dying then also there is no reason because that is its nature <coughs> and therefore Tathabi that being the case Lord gives that another reason so that which is subject to birth will be born that which is subject to death will die and yet there is another reason also Jatasahi Dhruva Mrityahu Dhruva Janma Mrityahu Tasmad Parihariyarve Natvam Shochitu Marhasi Jatasahi Mrityahu Dhruva So that which is born for that the Mrityahu in the death is Dhruva definite So for anything that is born death is sudden today or tomorrow death is definite Dhruva Dhruva means definite or certain so anything that is born is certainly going is subject to death. Dhruvam Janma Mrutasya Now this is Hindu philosophy. That Dhruvam Janma Mrutasya And that which is born is going to die. That which is which is dying or that which is which dies also is going to be born. So that which is born is definitely going to die. This we will accept. That which dies is definitely going to be born. That is Lord Krishna's statement. And then we have to accept it only on his authority because we have no evidence that the one who is dead is necessarily born. It just makes, it is reasonable, okay? But then, so this is the thing. So, jātasyahi dhruva murtihu dhruvam janma murtasyacha. Because the whole universe is cyclic. The whole universe is cyclic. Take any phenomenon, like the water, that that rains and it flows along with the river goes to the ocean again gets converted into clouds again rains again goes to the ocean and thus the cycle goes on take the case of a tree gives rise to fruits and then there are seed yet there is another sprout another tree another fruit another seed and thus the cycle goes on thus we find that in the nature the cycle of birth and death constantly goes on and so also in the case of an individual, there is a cyclic existence of birth and death, also in accordance with the law of karma. So therefore, jātasyahi dhruva mṛtyahu, for the one who is born, the death is certain, dhruvam janma mṛtasyacha, and for the one who dies, birth also is certain. <coughs> this is a fact of life again. Tasmat aparihari arthe, and therefore, aparihari arthe, that which is unavoidable. Aparihariya meaning that which cannot be avoided. Meaning you cannot avoid the death for the one who is born. And you cannot avoid the birth for the one who is dead. Forget about that. But definitely you cannot avoid the death for the one who is born. So death is what? Aparihariyam. Unavoidable. Something that is not within your control. 
In short, in this in our life, we don't call all the shots. There are, there are few things that we control, perhaps, if at all. Human being has a certain free will, and within the range of free will, the person can act. There is certain freedom provided. But beyond that, we have to act or we have to live within a certain structure or a framework of the laws of nature. And they are not in our control, we cannot control them. There is a law of gravity and whoever it is that falls down from the tree has to crash on the ground regardless of whether he is a sinner or a saint. Because there is that law of gravity is not in our control. If you place your hand in the fire, it will burn. Whoever's hand it is, doesn't matter. So this is how the life is. It functions according to a certain order. It functions according to certain laws. It has its own rhythm. The whole life has its own rhythm. And we also play our music to that rhythm. Then there is harmony in our life. If you don't accept that rhythm, or we want that the rhythm to change according to my requirements, well, it's not going to work. And therefore, whatever be the rhythm of life, that is something that is unavoidable in the sense that you cannot change it and therefore you accept it happily. And when we, when we take these facts into account, then we will find that there is no difficulty. It's only that when we don't accept, that we are not prepared for it. When you accept, then you are prepared for it. As they always give the illustration in India of train, you know, in the train, because train journey is very common there and people travel in train very commonly. In one compartment there may be fifteen, twenty people, you know, crowded sitting there and they travel together, maybe for a few hours or for maybe one or two days and then they develop friendship with each other, they talk to each other, share things, they f- share food and everything else and thus become friends, sometimes become quite close also. But then all these passengers know that when their respective destinations will come that they will get off the train and therefore they are that they are going to part the company and so when they get off the train when the appointed station comes destination comes nobody grieves because the fellow has gone away because we know that we are here this this meeting or this association is going to be only for a period of time it is going to be necessarily followed by a separation so when we are prepared for the separation, we are able to accept it as a fact of life and take into account. We don't make such deals with these fellows, you know, which, we, which require lifetime of association, no. We make deals with them which, are, which require only a few hours of association. You play cards with them and stuff like that and, and that's all. Or, or share some food or smoke or whatever you want to do. But then, so when we know the nature of things and when we accept the realities of life, then we, we are able to take into account, take them into account and accordingly function. In which case, there is no question of any grief or disappointment. And similarly, since death here is the phenomenon which is the cause of grief in case of Arjuna, Lord Krishna says, all these people are born and therefore they are going to die. There is no point in your grieving for death or for any phenomenon. You must have heard this. Swamiji is fond of telling the story of this Greek uh, philosopher in the olden times. It seems that this man's family, his wife and children, as well as all his belongings, all of them were being transported by ship. He himself had already reached the destination 
and all these people were following him from some other place in you know and they were all traveling uh, by ship in the ocean and the whole travel would have taken a few weeks perhaps so this man is here and he is waiting for them one day all of a sudden a messenger comes knocks at the door and this man opens and that messenger is very excited and uh, has to say something he and always he can't contain himself and he bursts with this news sir your ship has sunk says what your ship has sunk so what sir all your belongings they are all gone everything is has gone into water nothing can be recovered says what yes sir you lost everything you nothing left with you so what sir your wife and children also they are also drowned what sir your wife and children are also drowned so what now this what is a reaction that i cannot accept that fact momentarily but he must have been extremely mature man of course and therefore within a few seconds he is able to understand that fact accept it and and digest it all assimilate it also so when he says so what that shows assimilation of the fact of life so what and so what in case of that man who was highly mature it perhaps took a few seconds for someone it may take a few few days few weeks few months few years or a few lifetimes also the dis- dif- distance between what and so what is the distance between immaturity and maturity but apari harier say what can you do about it it doesn't mean that the man is heartless that is insensitive that does not feel the loss of his belonging of his wife or children it's not that but then as far as the fact is concerned he is able to accept the fact because he cannot say aparihari arthe that which you cannot change that over which you have no control well you may as well accept it as a fact of life and so that's why earlier also to say tam sitikshasu bharata here you know whenever you come in contact with the world you are going to get, pass through variety of experiences and definitely the experiences are either going to be pleasant or painful there is comfort or discomfort there is pleasure or pain there is honor or dishonor happiness or unhappiness the experiences will be one of these so these experiences will keep on greeting you constantly that is the nature of life there is nothing you can do about it regardless of who you are when you go out in the world and when your sense organs contact the sense objects definitely a contact takes place an experience takes place and it will fall in one of these categories but then agamaha apai agama painaha they come and then they go anityaha nothing is ever the same it's constantly changing and therefore nothing is ever going to remain the same even unpleasant situation also will glow like the wheel nichair gachyati upari chadasha chakranaimikramena says the dasha means the state of sthiti the the state of affairs always goes up and down like a wheel so there is no one who is always happy and there is no one who is always unhappy as happiness and unhappiness 
keep on coming and going. And you must know this fact of life, that there can be pain also, that there can be separation, that there can be death, that all of these things are there in life. However much we wish that they may not, they are not there. However much we wish that we are not subjected to them. But we are subjected to them anyway. Unfortunately we don't learn. We don't learn. We always feel that the death belongs somewhere else. Although we every day talk about death. But still, whenever we think of death, we think with reference to someone else. As a famous saint in India, you know, Bhavavya used to say, he was, uh, he was also giving talks on Bhagavad Gita and he said, look, when these people talk of death, in the, in the colleges, you know, they used to teach this logic, how man is mortal. And thus they give a, a lo- lesson in logic, that Socrates was man, Socrates died, and therefore man is mortal. That's how they prove. Man is mortal, subject to death, because Socrates died and Socrates was man, you know. Then this person says, Vinoba says, that, oh professor, why don't you say, why don't you give illustration of Socrates when proving that man is mortal? Why don't you say, I am a man and I am going to die, I am mortal and therefore I am going to die. And oh student, you are also a man or woman, whoever you are, human being, and therefore you are also mortal and you are also going to die. But we never say that. When we talk of birth and death, etc., we always talk with reference to some third illustration. And we think that we are free from that rule of life. And therefore we are never prepared. We are not prepared for things such as like old age. We are not prepared for wrinkles and grey hair and whatever it is. And we grieve when these things happen because we do not accept this. So tasmad aparihariya arthe, this aparihariya artha, something that is unavoidable, something that you cannot change, something that you cannot do anything about, something that will happen whether you like it or not. And therefore, you better like it because whatever happens must be likable. That's yet another one. Then you can even turn around and say that after all whatever happens, happens because God so desires it to happen, things which are not in our control. And when he makes it happen, there must be reason behind it. And there must be good reason behind it. There must be something perhaps worthwhile going to happen. Even in unpleasant situation, there can be blessing which is hidden there, which we may not be able to see now. This is the faith or the trust that a devotee has in God. And therefore, he has an an advantage that he does not look upon the world merely as, as a material world, a mechanistic world bound by laws, etc. He looks upon the world as, as an expression of Lord. He looks upon the world as that which is, uh, which is under the laws of the Lord. So whatever happens is, is done not by the matter or by the law, but whatever happens is something that is brought about by Lord. And therefore, he does not look at what is happening. He looks at the one who makes this. Like when you are watching that show, what do you call it? Uh, the uh, <laughs> the puppet show, the puppet show, you know. So you are looking at the puppet alright, but there is someone who is pulling those strings. He is more important. So all these things are like puppets, but there is someone who is actually pulling the string. He is God. And so look at him rather than merely focusing your attention on 
you will see the puppets also but don't forget there is someone behind them also so also look at the life no doubt but don't forget also that behind all these happenings in the life there is someone and that someone is God who is pulling the strings I don't pull the strings he pulls the strings I don't call the shots he calls the shots and so as they say if you don't win them join them and similarly also you join him so you join the Lord this is the idea that would be a devotee's way of looking at it and so I give him the responsibility and the moderation of whatever is to happen that's what he said Karmanyavadikaraste Mahaphaleshu Kadachana I am the one who gives the results of the action that means I am the one who actually creates you know these situations in accordance with the result of the actions and therefore we join him in whatever happens if it is pleasant pleasant unpleasant that also is pleasant because it comes from him so this is all prasad buddhi ultimately we will find here prasad buddhi means you don't look at what is given to you but you look at the one who gives to you and so what is given to you may be bitter all right but the one who gives to you is sweet and therefore you accept that even in the bitter thing that comes to you there must be some reason behind it there must be some benefit involved there some good must be there regardless of how we do that tasmat natvam shochidumarhasi Lord Krishna says to Arjuna that anyway there is no cause for you to grieve because this birth and death and all these phenomena are aparihari meaning unavoidable something that you cannot do anything about <coughs> thus the birth or death of the self should not be a cause of grief number one in reality self is eternal is beyond the time and place and therefore not subject to death so here Arjuna if you are grieving for the death of the death of the self there is no cause at all but if you take the self to be subject to birth and death then also there is not a cause to grieve because death is as much a phenomenon birth also is a fact of life and therefore there is no reason why you should grieve for what is a fact of life thus in these, in these verses Lord Krishna showed how self cannot become the cause of grief in any way <coughs> now somebody says okay I am not grieving or sorry about Atma but how about this body when it dies definitely it perishes shouldn't that become the cause of my grief karya karna sanghat atma atma kani api bhutani uddishya shoko yuktah kartum okay Arjuna are you grieving for this karya karna sanghat so karya means body and karana means sense organs in the mind so this complex is what we call physio physico or physio physico psycho complex whatever this body mind intellect complex is called karya karna sanghata an assembly of cause and effect effect or an assembly of effect and instrument where the body is the effect and the mind and sense organs are the instrument so this is the assembly and now Arjuna might say that I am worried about the death of these things says alright even referring to them even with reference to them there is no reason for you to grieve and that's what is said in the verse 28 avyakta adini bhutani vyakta madhyani bharata avyakta nithananyeva tatraka paridevana 
is bhutani means is beings what is beings putra mitradi karyakarana sanghatatmakana what you call putra means son friend grandsire whatever all these designations you are giving what are those things are nothing but the assemblies of karyakarana meaning they are all body mind intellect complexes avyaktadini all right now look at them How, where have they emerged from where did they originate from avyaktadini all of them came from and manifest meaning before the birth all these uh, assemblies or all these complexes which we call the body mind intellect that came from before its birth it was unmanifest and therefore unmanifest is the cause or the beginning of these complexes vyakta madhyani bharata avyakta nidhanani and when nidhanam or the death takes place again that only in the middle time between the birth and death which is the middle period that's the period when all these beings are manifest so from the unmanifest all these beings have come into unmanifest all of them go at the time of death and in between the period of birth and death they are manifest that is the truth about this that's all it is it is a complex body mind intellect complex such as this which has its origin in the unmanifest which ultimately resolves into unmanifest and which remains manifest for a period of time it is the complex of this nature that you are calling a friend or or father or mother or whatever it is and then you are therefore grieving but in fact this is the nature they follow and so tatraka paridevana and then if this is the case that they are born of unmanifest and going to become unmanifest ूतेषु so actually technically speaking what is seen in the middle what is not in the beginning and what is not in the end really does not have any reality in the beginning also so that is what mandukya karika says in in analyzing the reality of things again adavante chayannasti vartamane api tattatha that which is not in the adi meaning in the beginning ante then which is not there at the end also in the beginning in the middle also it is the same thing like a pot for example before its creation it was not it was clay and when it is destroyed again it becomes clay in between you call it pot but really it is nothing but clay alone and therefore it is clay <coughs> and thus pot comes from clay meaning unmanifest and goes back into clay in between you call it pot but really it is nothing but clay and therefore a part in that manifestation also is not subject to your grief because that is its nature that it is going to become unmanifest since it has come from unmanifest thus looking at the nature of things and understanding the nature of things we prepare for them lord krishna is not in any way saying that you to kill them or that 
you have not to make note of these facts or that you have to be insensitive about the events of life or that you have to avoid them. There is no such thing. So know the reality of things and then do what you think is proper to do. But then we are generally speaking in our own imaginary world. We imagine things. We want things to be in a certain way. And when we find that they are not in that way, then we meet with a lot of disappointments. So most people, everybody in fact, who do, does not know the nature of the self, nor knows the nature of the world. We always project a lot of things upon ourselves and project a lot of things upon the world also. First projection takes place upon the self and therefore I have a distorted view about my own self and therefore I have a distorted view about the world also. And therefore everyone lives in what we call a subjective reality. We do not really live in this objective reality as it obtains. We apparently live in an objective reality but then each one of us projects our own views upon the things and therefore on account of these likes and dislikes in our mind we do not really contact the world as it is. We contact a world of our own imagination and therefore we live in our own imaginary world. Everyone. Since everyone is the same we don't send them to asylum. It becomes a great asylum. Schizophrenic they call it, you know, because they live in their private world. Everyone lives in a private world. But we brand the fellow as schizophrenic when he is in yet another private world, that's all. Perhaps. But everyone lives in a private world because we have our own fences, our own attachments, aversions, attractions and what not. And therefore, we look upon things in our own personal way. Therefore, I am attracted by something and I have an aversion for something else. If that thing inherently has something attraction, attractive about it, then everyone should be attracted to that. That's not the case. Where one fellow is attracted, somebody else has an aversion for that very same thing and for which I have an aversion, someone else has an attraction. That shows, shows that all this attraction and aversion, all of them are nothing but projections of my own mind. It may be difficult for us to accept it, but that's a fact. All these likes and dislikes arise only because we view our things only in our own way and we are not objective about it. Objectively speaking, this is a Karya Karna Sanghata. That's all it is. You want to call it friend? Well, that's your personal point of view. Is there a person in the world who is called friend? Friend also is a standpoint that you have adopted. Otherwise, you will be easily universal friend. There is no such entity as friend. As Swamiji sometimes used to tell in India, because people, if they do not tra treat their uh, spouse, wife properly, he says, there is no such thing as a wife. There is a woman here. Wife is only with reference to husband. Don't expect her to behave as wife for 24 hours a day. Because when she talks to somebody, this fellow watches, you know. When she does anything and everything. You know, she is wife when is related to husband. Otherwise she is a woman in her own right. And therefore, we don't say that. We don't look upon the person that way. We always brand. And that is how we look upon them. And when they fail to meet with our expectations, then we are disappointed. But anyway, all that Lord Krishna is saying in this world is, we should understand the realities of life and accordingly uh, function in the world. Then you do whatever you wish to do. Understand the reality and then do whatever you want to do. It doesn't, nobody says there what you should do or what you should not do. There is no instruction here. 
What is being said here is how things are. They always question, ask this question, why is the world like this? And why are things like that? Vedantins only say that before you ask the question why, first ask the question what? What is this thing that you first determine? Then ask the question why is it there? When you understand the nature of the thing, what is that question why will not be a relevant question at all? Because you think that this is real and therefore you are asking why. When you realize that it is not real, it doesn't matter. After all in the sky, there are so many clouds and they form different patterns. Sometimes it looks like a palace, sometimes it looks like an elephant, sometimes it looks like a camel. Do you ask the question why? No. Because you know, this is all merely a play. So when we know the reality of things, then actual pattern does not become, does not remain important at all. And so in these verses, Lord Krishna is addressing the very fundamental thing. The very highest theme that Bhagavad Gita has to present is presented right in these verses. Which is a very tough lesson, no doubt. Extremely tough lesson is presented first. But in order to shake off that grief from the part of Arjuna, even if Arjuna does not understand quite all these things, he definitely understands this much, that whatever estimate he has about himself is not right. That he takes himself as a doer, as an enjoyer, and therefore suffers from this hurt and guilt, that is not right. Even though you continue to suffer, but you know that the suffering is out of ignorance, that much at least understood. That if I knew the self as described here, that it is changeless, it is free from modification, it is unconnected, certainly there would be no cause. Or if I could look at the world as it is in an objective manner, then also there would be no cause for grief. It is all this subjective projection upon the self and subjective projection upon the world around us that is the cause of grief. This is what is conveyed in all these verses. And therefore says, Tattraka Paridevana. If you just take them, these verses without a proper context, it will look like he is teaching us to be totally insensitive. Tattraka Paridevana. Why is lamenting? You mean you should not lament and people get very sentimental. You are talking about war and talking about death and saying that there is no lamentation. Looks like, you know, Lord Krishna is, has no sensitivity at all. No, that sensitivity all will come when it is required. But when you are talking about the realities, then this is the, the nature of reality of the things. When you act in the world, then Lord Krishna will say, act in this manner. Karmanyavadikaraste maapaleshu kadachana yogastaha kuru karmani sangam tittvadhanjaya How to act in the world, how to relate with the world, there is different lesson. But how to view the world, this is the lesson. And how to relate with the world, if this view is not there as yet, and you have a certain view as you have right now, then how to relate to the world, that lesson will immediately follow. But first is, you are given the lesson of what is the vision of life, or how to view, understand the nature of realities. And that's all uh, Lord Krishna is teaching here. <coughs>
शंकरायदरायणम सूत्रभाष्यकृत वंदे भगवत गुरुरात्मे मूर्तिद विभागिने व्योमेहाय दक्षिणामूर्त नम शाशाशा हरि ओ श्रीगुरभ्यो नम हरि ओ